It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. I'm your host this morning, John Schaefer. And as we do each and every Monday, our expert is attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Brian, good morning and welcome once again. Oh, good morning. Now we have your microphone on. Okay, good morning. <laughs> uh, welcome back. We're glad to have you back for a second Monday in a row. It's good to be invited and, back. And, and we've got a nice warm one for you out there. We're going we're gonna to heat things up inside and outside this morning. Okay. If you have a question or comment for Brian A. Lowe, feel free to give us a call, 702-257-5396, 702-257-5396. Brian, you're an estate planning attorney. I am. And there are probably a lot of people here in Las Vegas like me who hear estate planning. We think, well, that is just a rich man's game. That's not something I need to be involved with. I'm just your average Joe Las Vegan. Why would I need to get involved in any kind of estate plan? I don't have an estate. I don't live in a castle. What are some of the steps people like me and just the general public might need to go through if they would come and see you to learn more about estate planning and how it really is there to help everyone? Well, if they have any estate at all, they have to worry about how they're going to give that estate to the next generation. So they need to plan as to how they want to do it. Now, some people don't plan at all, and that's their estate plan, do nothing. And when they do that, they're opening themselves up to having to go through possibly a probate process without... uh, having any say as to who's going to receive it. They let the state of Nevada, the legislature, decide how those assets will be distributed. It will be a process where they do not have those who they would like to execute their estate to be involved. They can't do a lot of things that they can do if they have a properly planned estate. Now, some people think, well, part of the estate plan is uh, avoiding probate, And a lot of people try to avoid probate, and there are many ways that people can do that. And one of the ways that a lot of people will try to avoid probate is they will put their property in joint tenancy, let's say. And regardless of where you go, whether you go to a real estate broker or to a bank or an investment advisor, oftentimes when a person goes in and says, I have this estate, what can I do? They will say, well, put it in joint tenancy with your spouse or with your children or with someone else. And oftentimes, just putting it in joint tenancy can be a real problem. Let's back up a second to talk a little bit more about probate. What exactly is probate and why is it something that I would want to try and avoid? You have several things that happen in probate. One, it's a legal process that goes through the courts generally. Because of that, lawyers are involved, court costs, expenses. By going into probate, you are able to transfer assets from one generation to the next with legal authority from the courts. You are able to start a process where you start the statute of limitations on a decedent's creditor's claims against the estate they reduce that down to 90 days. Otherwise, it may be two years, it may be six years. And so 
by going through this probate process and administration, you're able to reduce the the statute of limitations on anyone making a claim. And if a person takes the assets without going through the process, then those creditors would have the right to come against that individual for that statutory period of time unless they go through that process. So if you just had a will that was set up and then you passed away and the will was the the last document you had, you would need to, your estate would then have to go through probate because you didn't have an estate plan set up? Yes, a lot of people think because they have a will that that will is what will take care of all the sure. legal uh, aspects of, of the administration, but that is not true. If you have a will, then you take the will through probate and have the will admitted into probate and the executor or personal representative appointed to execute that document. If you do not have a will, then it, it's called going into probate intestate, and you then would follow the statutory uh, scheme of your estate plan, and it's all spelled out who can be the personal representative, who your heirs will be in the event you pass away, how it will eventually go if there are no heirs, that it'll go to the state of Nevada. There are lots of things that probate takes care of. Will the, state, will the state try and find my heirs, or does it just go to them and then they do what they want with it if well, I didn't have anything left? The obligation of the personal representative is to seek out all of the the heirs, and the statutes spell out who those heirs are, and you are obligated to, to seek them out. I was involved in one estate where most of the heirs were over in in Denmark, and so it it took a trip to Denmark to ferret out who these people were and to uh, get them all in one accord as to how to proceed with the estate of the decedent. And I'm sure that makes it more difficult because we do here in Las Vegas, especially live in an area that's more transient. So I would imagine a lot of people here and their families or their heirs aren't here. That is correct. And they can be outside of the, the state of Nevada and if they do not name who they want to execute the, the will in their, uh, or in their documents, what happens is the state of Nevada will determine who can do it. And if someone is not a resident of the state of Nevada, then they cannot serve as a personal representative if the estate goes through what we call intestacy. You are listening to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN, our expert every Monday, Brian A. Lowe, attorney at law from Brian A. Lowe and Associates. If you have a comment or question for Brian A. Lowe, give us a call at 257-5396. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. Check in on the roads with Mitch Kelly in the Kadon One Nevada Credit Union Traffic Center. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. 19 minutes after 9 on this Monday morning. Welcome back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Our Monday expert each and every Monday, Attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe and Associates. Brian, again, good morning. Good morning. 257-5396, the number to reach Brian here in studio. If you have a comment or question, we're discussing estate planning. And Brian, what is your number at your office if someone would like to get a hold of you after we're off the air? It's area code 702-259-0002. We're open from uh, 7.30 until 5. All right. 
259-0002. I know. It's hard to remember your number without <laughs> yes. looking it up on your own phone because nobody remembers their own phone numbers anymore. That's true. So that's fine. We were discussing estate planning. We were talking about probate before we went to break, and I had asked you why some people would want an estate plan so that they can avoid probate. What are the the benefits, the upside, the downside to avoiding probate? Well, I think in the last session we talked a little bit about the benefits of probate, but some of the uh, uh, reasons why people will try to avoid probate is it's it's a public thing. So uh, the inventory of all of a person's assets, all their debts, everything else become public knowledge, and, and a stranger could come in and take a look at that information. So the heirs or the surviving spouse or whatever, all of their life, all their, their uh, financial history may be at public record that somebody else can see. So people like to avoid that if at sure. all possible. Another reason is that it, it does go through the courts, so, so there is a cost. There's a court cost. Most people think that this is a tax, but it's really not a tax. It's, a, it's an expense. The courts do a lot of work in administering or, or uh, officiating that uh, probate. So there is a cost to that. It's not high, but nevertheless, there is a cost that can be avoided by doing some other kind of planning. Another thing is that since it goes through the courts, we need to get uh, court time, uh, hearings, we have to give notices. We send out a lot of things. All this takes time. And so the time that it takes to probate an estate can be anywhere from six months to a year. And sometimes when you have a lot of claims and people uh, arguing about whether the will is valid or whatever, and sometimes it could go on for many years. So that can be a plus and can be a minus when you're looking at probate. And how would having an estate plan help you avoid probate? Well, there are a lot of estate planning tools. One is joint tenancy, another pay on death, um, another are trusts, and there are all kinds of different trusts that will do different things, and this avoids probate. But even if you use any of these things, you still need to do the basic document of having a will because oftentimes you don't completely plan the disposition of all of your assets with just a joint tenancy or pay on death or trust or whatever. So it takes a will regardless of how you plan your estate. You always need a will as a backup. Okay. So even with an estate plan, you should, you need to have that will there. Yes, provide the instructions. you do need to have a will. You've talked about joint tenancy. You brought that up a couple times. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> well, joint tenancy is a way of holding property. My wife can own property. I can own property. But we can also put it into a joint tenancy, which means that we both own it together. Each one of us own 100%. And when a person dies, then the survivor owns it all. And so that is a way of avoiding probate. There's no record of it through the courts. It's not public. They get the property outright without going through the probate process. But with that, there are a lot of other problems that can evolve because of, of joint tenancy. One is if it's be 
between a husband and a wife as joint tenancy, you avoid the probate on the first death. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden, the survivor of the two of them now has the property outside of joint tenancy. And so when they die, they need to pass it on. And oftentimes people think, well, it's in joint tenancy. I avoided probate on that first death, and I don't need to do anything. Now it becomes a probatable asset. Another problem with joint tenancy is the since we live in a community property state, whenever a person dies, the assets that they own get a stepped-up in basis. That means whatever they paid for it becomes their basis. And over time, that property can appreciate in value. And if it's community property, you get a full step step up in basis in both sides of your interests. If it's in joint tenancy, you do not get that step up in basis. Hmm. What you do is you get a step up in basis only in one half of it. So oftentimes people will try to avoid joint tenancy because they want to get a full step up in basis. And by getting that full step up in basis can uh, uh, save a lot in in income taxes, whether it's uh, uh, ordinary income or capital gains. They can avoid it uh, oftentimes with taking it out of joint tenancy. Now, one of the um, things that people will do rather than put it in in joint tenancy, will put it in community property with rights of survivorship. That is a good way between spouses. It still doesn't avoid the second death situation, but we do get a full step up in basis on the first death. Does a joint tenancy, does it need to be a husband, wife, a spousal situation, or could me and my brother buy one, or me and a business partner own property together? Yes, two two people, three people, five people, whatever. They can all get together and own something in joint tenancy. Uh, yeah, I would imagine outside of the family, though, you're getting into more problems because now you have my family who wants it if – I die, even though it goes to my business partner, then my business partner's family wants it. I'd imagine there'd be more fighting over what is there. That is true. They oftentimes fight about, uh, oftentimes they will have a plan. I want my assets to go to my children. Right. Someone else, and so they put it in joint tenancy. All of a sudden, because it was in joint tenancy, the minute they die, it's not part that goes to their children. It will go to the surviving joint tenant, and the surviving joint tenant's children then will get it. Right. And this can often, I mean, it oftentimes becomes a real problem. Even in family situations, a a parent has two or three children and for convenience purposes puts it in joint tenancy with one child. Now, all of a sudden, that child during their lifetime has an ownership in it. So anytime they want to borrow money on that piece of property, they can't do it without the blessing right. of the survive, uh, their joint tenant. When they die, now all of a sudden that property goes to that one joint tenant, the surviving joint tenant, and the other children are left out. And so there become real conflicts with, within the family because they argue about whether it was just for convenience purpose. Um, the will says 
it, the, yeah. how, the house is going to be split evenly between the three children. But now all of a sudden it went to, to one child and the children start saying, well, the trust or the will, as the case may be, says that the house is to go to all three of us, but you've got it as a joint tenant. And so they start this argument and sometimes it even goes to court and it's argued out. Yeah, it sounds to me like it's more trouble than it's worth putting it in joint tenancy, that there are other ways to go about it when setting up your estate that would work out more beneficially to your heirs. That is true. Now, oftentimes people will try to give away their assets, but they won't still want to keep it uh, so that uh, they can pass it on to that, that next generation. When anyone makes a gift and then later on, they have any kind of long-term care needs where they cannot afford that long-term care, but they have the physical or mental needs to receive assistance, they will make application for, let's say, Medicaid assistance. And when they do that, Medicaid looks back a full five years. And any gifts made in joint tenancy or otherwise, they will see that and they will be penalized for giving that away because you cannot make yourself indigent to receive long-term care with Medicaid without being penalized. Right. So there really is a need to sit down with someone like you, with you or an attorney like you, an estate planning attorney, to really go over all of this because there is just way more to it than me and the other average lay people out there could ever understand. That is true. So I advise everyone uh, whether they come into my firm, we've we've been in this business for over 30 years, and we just do administrations of estate and also the planning part. And so we try to walk people through what they need to th- to think about and, and what they need to do planning-wise to avoid all these complications that, that come about during life because uh, the... Their joint tenant has now filed bankruptcy, and now the bankruptcy wants to come in and take that property that you are holding in joint tenancy with that person. So many problems. We like to avoid that, and there are ways of doing it by proper planning. And the proper planning can cost a lot less than what a lot of people think, first of all. And in the long run, when you consider going having to go through the administration process, it's a lot less expensive. More with attorney Brian A. Lowe and estate planning when we get back after the break right here on Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. KDWN News Time 935. Welcome back to Ask the Experts 257-5396, 257-5396. The number if you would like to reach our Monday expert, Attorney Brian A. Lowe, more than 30 years experience in the estate planning business. So if you have any comments or questions about estate plans, how to set them up, what you need to do, please feel free to call in and ask Brian a question this morning. So during the break, you were sort of explaining to me in layman's terms what estate planning is by using an example of the same reason you would have life insurance, which I thought was a great story and a great way to help people understand really why it's important to have an estate plan. Well, I'm married, and I have an obligation to my wife, and as my children, I have five children, and as they grew up, I had an obligation to take care of them, and I felt that responsibility. I knew if I bought some life insurance 
that if I didn't come home any one night for whatever reason, I uh, got in an accident or whatever, that my family would be taken care of. And that attitude has always been my attitude with estate planning. If you properly plan your estate, you know that if you don't come home that night, that your family will be taken care of. Now, it could be uh, a wife who has been in the home all the time and she has children that have all left the home. She would know when she leaves that day that if she does not come home, then her children will be properly taken care of by proper estate planning, and it'll pass to them at the least cost in the most effective and efficient manner. So I'd imagine it's never too early or you're never too young to start down the road of estate planning. Never too young. So newlywed couple, should that be one of the first things they would look at? Because now there are spouses involved, and like you said, you don't know what could happen during the day that you might not be coming home. That is true. I, All of my children within a very short period of time of getting married all came in to do their estate planning, get their wills and, and trusts all done. Also, if you do not do a will, then you're forced into the intestate succession. And since you just got married, there could be property you brought into the marriage, which is your sole and separate property. And if you were to die, maybe you want everything to go to your spouse. But under the intestacy laws, it doesn't all go to your spouse. It could go to your parents sharing that with your with your spouse or with your siblings. And it just there's a formula out there and you'd need a will under all circumstances. I really think this is something young people probably don't even think about this. You're young, you're invincible, either that or I don't really have anything, so what does it matter if I don't have a will or have an estate planned out? They they need to plan, regardless of how much they have in the way of assets, because we all have something. It may be an automobile. It may be a life insurance policy, a group life insurance policy at the at the business in which they they work, how is that going to be distributed? Uh, making sure that beneficiary changes are made so that it is going to go to whoever you want it to go to. Just a lot of factors that we like to discuss with the clients so that they understand what will happen under their circumstances if they die without certain documentation. And we give that uh, time to them, initial consultation, without any cost. We're speaking with attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe & Associates, 702-257-5396. If you have a comment or question for Brian A. Lowe. So we're talking about estate planning. Say you start when you're young. I just graduated from college, 23 years old, have my first job. I want to start estate planning but I know that my estate is going to change over a period of time as I get married, have children. Is an estate plan something that can be changed? Is it flexible? Yes. Most of the time they do not do irrevocable planning, even though there is reason to do some irrevocable estate planning in the as they gain more and more assets. But most of the estate plans are not irrevocable. They are revocable. Unfortunately, joint tenancy becomes kind of irrevocable 
if the joint tenant doesn't want to uh, agree with you. So that kind of planning can be irrevocable, and you may not want to get in, involved with that. But wills, you can do a new will at any time, or you can amend your, your old will by what's known as a codicil. A codicil is an amendment to the will. You do a trust, you can amend your trust at any time. So it's not irrevocable. It will grow with you as your situation changes. And I'd imagine a will that I wrote in a bar one night on a napkin, that's probably not a good idea. It's probably not a good idea because what you're doing is you are creating what's known as a holographic will. Holographic wills are valid wills, whether it's written on a napkin or not. But there are certain things in that holographic will that are important. You have It has to be all in your own handwriting. It has to be dated. It has to be signed. It uh, needs to show intent to make a will. And oftentimes a person writing something on a napkin doesn't do it. So we get these holographic wills that people bring in and say, well, I, this is his last will and testament. And we look at it and we say, well, it's not valid under Nevada law because you didn't meet all of the requirements of having a holographic will. So the will falls mm-hmm. and then and it, it goes intestate. Another napkin turns up and then another napkin. and That too. Before you know it, lots of trouble. <laughs> lots of trouble. Uh, you brought up joint tenancy again. Uh, when we talk about a husband-wife joint tenancy, what happens when they get a divorce? Under the law, the joint tenancy is generally broken with a divorce. And so it goes back to the uh, separate property, half and half, to the, uh, to the spouses. Um, now, to throw another wrench into it, we're in the process of getting a divorce, but it's not finalized yet, and one of the two dies. It still goes to the surviving joint tenant. Uh-huh. And you may have been separated for a couple of years and hate each other, and you want it to go to uh, your new significant other or to your children or whatever, and it just doesn't make it. When your spouse accidentally falls down the stairs. By accident, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what would you suggest when people come in? What are the first steps we would go through if I came to you? Here's what I have. What do I need to do? I want to try and set up an estate plan. Well, what we generally do is we go through and and get a pretty good inventory of what you you own. This gives us a feel for initially how it should be planned financially. Then we go in and discuss with you who uh, who are those individuals that you really want to receive this. Do you want to give them a certain dollar amount? Do you want to give them percentages? Are you concerned about taxes? Are you concerned about their those beneficiaries, creditors? Are you concerned about their the children having bad marriages and what will happen to those funds if they were to inherit it and then their child goes into bankruptcy or gets a divorce or whatever? With proper planning, we can determine how we can resolve all of these fears that people have, and we bring it to their attention, and sometimes it's the first time that they think about, hey, this could happen. 
maybe I should not just give them a bundle of money, but I should give them a bundle of money wrapped up in a device that will be protected from any of their creditors or a bad marriage or whatever. And so planning is really important. We are speaking with attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe and Associates, 257-5396. We have one final segment coming up, so if you have a comment or question for the attorney, please feel free to give us a call. Right now, we're going to check in with Mitch Kelly in the on One Nevada Credit Union Traffic Center. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. KDWN Newstime, 9.50, 10 minutes till 10. Welcome back to Ask the Experts, Monday edition. Our Monday expert, each and every Monday, attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe and Associates. Talking estate planning, and if you have a question or comment for Brian A. Lowe, 702-257-5396. Brian, before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, coming in, what the steps are to go through to set up an estate plan. When you brought up something that I found interesting that I never even thought of, that your estate plan isn't just to protect your estate to make sure it's laid out the way you want it to be, but it's also to protect your heirs to make sure that they aren't screwing up with what you've worked to accumulate to leave for them as well. That is correct. Oftentimes, easy come, easy go. A person will inherit a sizable amount of money, and when they inherit that, since it was an easy come, uh, they spend it very quickly and like winning the lottery, oftentimes those funds disappear very rapidly. And so with proper planning, you can kind of direct how those funds should be used after you die from the grave. And if you spell it out in your own estate plan, then your children can be protected, let's say, from creditors, and it could be protected from from spendthrift. And you can... Uh say you had a fear that your son or daughter was married to someone who was only after them for what you had accumulated, you can set it up as well to make sure that after your passing, if they would end up getting divorced, that that spouse they're married to can't come in and take everything? Yes, you can. And that is done all the time. It seems sad that you would have to think that far ahead, but I guess that really is the best way to go because you did work hard all your life to establish this estate so you do want to see it protected after you're gone. I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been very good about asking me questions, uh, and I appreciate it. Uh, those of you who are out in the audience that have questions uh, can call me at the office. We haven't had any questions that come in, but you've been leading this discussion, and maybe all of the questions that you're asking are questions that uh, uh, the audience has. But if anyone does have a question while we're on the air, please call the radio station. Otherwise, they can call me at my office at uh, area code 702-259-0002. I represent the common man. I I think for us all. (laughs) (laughs) So we come in, we meet with you, we decide, all right, I want to start getting my estate set up. How long of a process is this, or does it depend on an individual case, how large your estate is? Depends on a lot of factors and how complicated it can become. Some people will just go into a stationery store and get a standard uh, fill-in-the-form type of a trust, but they don't have any legal advice or any way of 
doing what really needs to be done with that particular estate. And it's, that's very quick. They just go in and fill in a couple of things and sign their name. As you take into account all of the other things that may be needed in your estate plan, that has to be drafted for. And everyone's estate plan is a little different. You are different than I am. And my children are different than I am. But as a result, we have to get into what kind of a plan that that person needs. So the more complicated the plan, the longer it takes to draft. And sometimes it can be a little more expensive. But most of the time, it's not as expensive as most people think that it would be. So places like LegalZoom or things like that where people think, well, I can just go on and get a generic estate planning form, list my assets, sign it, and then we're good to go. Not the good way to go. Not the good way to go. I had a fellow come in to me, and he was going to inherit in excess of a million dollars from his father. His father lived in Florida, and he had a long-term illness that Medicaid was willing to provide him assistance. But by inheriting this money from his father in Florida, Medicaid was going to take that estate and he would be left without Medicaid for a period of time right. until he became indigent again. And so he didn't want to inherit it because he'd never get the benefit from it. So we ended up going down to Florida and tried to amend his father's will to provide for some other means of, of having this beneficial interest given to his son without all of the consequences. Yeah. It's crazy to think that you have to think like that. Like, all right, how can I figure out how to inherit the money that I am entitled to based on my father's wishes, but the government says that they're not going to continue helping me the way they are unless somehow I don't get this money? Oftentimes we run into societal needs and governmental policies and things like this that do, in fact, influence a proper estate plan. And that's why they should go to an attorney because they can recognize these issues and resolve them in a good plan. So I've come to you. We've set the whole thing up. We're good to go. It's all signed off on. Then do I just put it in my safe deposit box or somewhere and forget it? Or is a, an estate something that should be revisited every year, every two years? Even it's, if I don't want to make changes, should I just revisit it just in case? It should be reviewed periodically. You mentioned maybe my financial situation has not changed. I still have the same number of children, et cetera, et cetera. But if there are some changes in the law, and we oftentimes see changes in the law when it comes to durable powers, and, and, and that may be something that we want to discuss at a future time. But it's good to review those periodically and see if the attorney can see something else that has changed or ask the proper questions that will put it now into a better perspective and make the amendments while it can still be made while you're still alive. And I'd imagine life changes would be a good time, especially if you have it set up that, you know, 
little Joey gets 50% and Janie gets 50%, but then I have a third child. You want that third child and then split it up three ways. You want to get in and get that changed. And you may, uh, relationships between beneficiaries may change. I mean, with you. Uh, One day you think that uh, your daughter Susie is the light of your life and you want to disinherit your your sons. Uh, Then all of a sudden Susie gets married to a, a real loser from the perspective of uh, the client. And now he doesn't want it going to Susie because if Susie gets it, he knows she, he knows that his, her spouse Mm -hmm. will end up with it. So maybe there's some changes that need to be made and plan it in such a way that uh, we're not going to have those problems. Are there ways that you can set up your estate so that it will continue to take care of your heirs? Say you have an heir that has medical issues that they're going to need, health care for the rest of their lives so that the money will continue going on in perpetuity? Yes, and in most of uh, our estate plans, we'll always address that issue and provide for it in either a will or in a trust or in both. All right. We have a call here. Jacob, welcome to the show. You have about a minute for your question for Brian A. Lowe. Oh, hi. Um, I recently moved to Hander to Nevada from uh, Southern California, uh, we, uh, where my trust was uh, drawn. And my question is, what do I have to do legally, uh, if anything, in order to uh, transfer the trust to um, Nevada? California law and Nevada law, as far as trusts, are very similar. In most cases, there isn't anything that you need to do. It's just as valid in Nevada as it is in California. Okay, uh, I heard that the California... Um, and it takes about three and a half percent for residents who moved out to um, execute the uh, the trust. Is that correct, or that's false information? That is 